welcome back to another exciting episode of Fan vs. New. Is exciting what we're going for this time around? Or gut-wrenching, chilling? I don't know, what movie are we watching? We're watching 10 Things I Hate About You, and we're going to be going for light, fluffy... Romantic. Puppy Love? It's a high school movie. Yeah. It is Puppy Love. It, it, it's... With a slightly more serious feel. And an absolutely hilarious guidance counselor. Sorry, I'm putting that out there right now. You're going to love the guidance counselor. She is fabulous. All right, well, I get. Let's just jump into it. I don't know, like what? What do you have? We have. Uh, what are we watching? Ten things I hate about you, released in nineteen ninety nine, a long time ago. A long time ago, I mentioned in a previous episode that when I was a kid, there were two movies I would see every single day during the summer. I went to the afternoon viewing of 10 Things I Hate About You, went to a got a Putin, and then went to the evening viewing of Never Been Kissed. Never Been Kissed is not going to be featured because as an adult, I'm a little off-put by the idea of an adult going back to high school and having any kind of like friendly socializations with like minors. It, it creeps me out. So I'm not showing that one. But 10 Things I Hate About You will be featured. Now, this is a classic. Like... I mean, it's from the 90s, so... But it is based on a play that was written in the 1500s. Yeah, but is this like Troy and the Iliad, or...? It's Shakespeare. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And if you had to take a guess out of any of his works, I'll tell you, it rhymes with ten things I hate about you. Romeo and Juliet. Um, no, I have no idea. I'm not big on my Shakespeare. So Romeo and Juliet was a romantic tragedy. This is a romantic comedy. Even Shakespeare wrote comedies. This is a loose retelling of The Taming of the Shrew. Certain elements aren't included. So The Taming of the Shrew is a play within a play. This is just a movie. But it does follow the same general idea. The characters have the same general names. Some characters have been removed. Two characters sort of got combined into one character. But in general, it follows the exact same premise of The Taming of the Shrew. In this movie, we have sisters Bianca and Katarina... Bianca wants nothing more than to go to the dance, but they have a very overprotective father, and Katarina's a little ornery, we'll say. Knowing this, their father says, okay, you can date when Kat dates. Now starts Bianca's mission to get her sister a boyfriend so she can have a boyfriend. And I present to you 10 Things I Hate About You. You know, I know you say it's a classic. 
I know this movie comes up a lot on those like millennial favorite movies. I've never seen it. I'm going to get your one question out of the way. I've never seen it. But this synopsis that you just gave me sounds exhausting. Like it's just kids being dumb all the time. Well, yeah, they're kids. There is an element of exhausting to it. There's an element of sweet. It's... And I apologize. I'm, I'm going to go into it with an open mind, just like you went into all the movies. I am just voicing my completely blind opinion. Mm-hmm. That synopsis just sounds annoying. Like, you know when you watch those kid movies, kid TV shows, where it's like, oh my god, it's the end of the world, Travis won't ask me prom. You know, those things, like, yo, who cares if Travis doesn't ask you to prom? Move on. Maybe Travis is not the guy. Right? Like, it just seems like one of those mountain out of molehill type of pictures. And, again, I I apologize. I will go into this with an open mind. You know, I'm going to give it to you. There are a couple of moments where there are mountain out of molehill kind of things happening. There's also some really serious themes. They do touch on some very serious themes. Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger gives an amazing debut performance. If this were the only film he'd ever made, he would still be an acting success because this is a standout role for him. Um, and then speaking of that, let's get into the general information about this film. All right. Well, directed by Jill Junger, written by Karen McCullough. Kristen Smith, two women creative writing credits to Mr. William Shakespeare. Sir? William Shakespeare? I don't know if he was ever knighted. I I, I don't know if he was a sir. That whole thing. Interesting. Alright. Well, as you said, Heath Ledger is in this movie. Main role. Mm -hmm. We got Julia Stiles, who was very hot back in the 90s. Then she kind of disappeared. She was in the Mindy Project not too long ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we've also got JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, as a little young boy. Like, this is JGL at... He was still in Third Rock at this point, I believe. Like, he was still a young teenager. He wasn't the adult that we see... Today. Today, yes. It... Also stars Larissa Olenek. Um, may, I don't know how many people would know who Larissa Olenek is unless they were a millennial and watched The Secret Life of Alex Mack. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking yes, about. Yes, like, that, uh... that was legitimately, I do believe the thing that she was most known for at that time. We also have Andrew Keegan, very much the boy in the 90s. Like that guy or the... No, like the the hot boy. Yeah, he was very much the hot boy in the 90s. And we have Gabrielle Union. Yes, yes. Still ridiculously famous to this day. I think most of them are, except Julia Stiles... 
But she kind of fell off after the Jason Bourne movies. That was like the last big thing I saw her in. Yeah, I don't think Julia Stiles is much around anymore, and I don't think Andrew Keegan is doing much anymore either. All right, the tagline. Let's see how you feel about this one. There's a few of them this time around, too. There are so many different ways to hate. Count them yourself. I love that. (laughs) I love it. How do I loathe thee? Let me count the ways. I like that one. But I feel like that's more Shakespearean than anything else, and that's probably why I like it. Yeah, this is definitely a nod to Shakespeare. And then the third is, they're spitefully romantic. Yeah, I know how I feel about that one. Like, are we, are we going to see one of those toxic relationships that uh, Hollywood romanticizes? I don't know. I, I don't know. To the best of my recollections, I don't think so. It's more of a, there's toxicity in how they come to be together, but them together isn't toxic. If that's makes okay. any sense. Eh, not really, but I'm old at this point, so maybe I'm just jaded. This movie is rated PG-13. 13. Perfect age, so that all the little teenager people can watch it. Also, the reason it's rated 13 is for crude sexual humor. This is a high school rom-com, so... I'm not gonna lie, there is a moment... Like, when, you, when they're talking about, like, crude sexual humor, I remember some of this crude sexual humor. It's, they're going through her underwear drawer at one point, and the sister tells one of the boys she's got black panties, which apparently means she wants to have sex. Man, things were so easy back in the day. Right? Black panties, DTF. There you go. Not that I knew what DTF meant or that the phrase DTF even existed when I was a young youngin at the cheap movie theater spending my weekday allowance. But you probably added to the numbers on this movie. That's what I'm thinking. I am personally to benefit to these abysmal numbers. Yeah, they aren't that great. They're not. This movie had an estimated budget of 300... Sorry. Wow, see? Like, I'm thinking we're watching some big movies here. No, not 300 mil. 30 million. 30 That's million. It. Just 30 million. Opening weekend domestically, it made... 8330000 So much money. Yeah, less than a third of its budget. A little over the budget of Prom Springs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Domestic gross, $38 million, so... They did make over their budget domestically. If we add in the whole world, they made $53,478. So, 53 and a half mil. Are we doing inflation on the 90s movies? I think our cutoff is like 2000, so we could. So if we count for inflation worldwide, it made 89 million. That's not a bad number, I guess, but maybe our numbers are just skewed after doing all these. 
every week? Maybe. Because if we go for inflation of the thirty million, that would probably be about fifty million. So it still only made about thirty million more. Hey, right. So okay, maybe not that skewed. Into the hot seat. You've already answered the first question. Have you seen the movie? Nope. Second question of the first question: Are you familiar with the Taming of the Shrew? Nope. No, I never had to do Shakespeare that play, sonnet, story, whatever you call it, in in high school for Shakespeare. I did Othello. I did Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, never the tra- Taming of the Shrew, so no idea. For school in me, it was Romeo and Juliet, which I think is the standard for everybody. And then we did King Lear. Oh, I did that one too, yeah. And I think Othello. It was either Othello or Hamlet. Yeah. Those are pretty standard ones. So. Yeah. Like, I think that's what the government wants covered, because that's what they include in their um, in their tests. Yeah. All right. So, based on the synopsis, question two. Any predictions of what you're going to see? Yeah. You know what? Yes. No, not really. Kind of. Sort of. Wow, I did a whole everything right in there. Neil, please cut that out. Please. See, here's the thing. I understand the sister wanting to get her other sister to date Kate. I think is what you said. Katerina. Katerina wanting to get her to date so that she could meet someone. I don't know where Heath Ledger's character is coming into this. Like, is... This just the first guy she saw, and she's like, I'm going to get him to date my sister? Or did he have feelings for her at one point? And then she's like, hey, I'm going to help you get my sister. Or is he just a cuckoo bird in this high school, like every other teen comedy romance movie where it's like the ugly duckling, and that's just how it is? No, I'm going to say 100% within that prediction, I'm going to shut you down. This is not a movie where they make a beautiful girl ugly for what they perceive to be ugly. Give her a 30-second montage makeover and she's gorgeous. Doesn't happen. Okay. Alright. Well, I don't know then. Like, I feel like, uh, I'm assuming that Heath Ledger is the main Romeo kind of guy, right? Like, he's the one who is supposed to end up with the girl. Yeah? Yes. He plays the character of Petruchio, yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't. Like, I'm trying to think of all my knowledge on Shakespeare and how Hamlet and Othello and all those stories go. Like, I feel they're going to end up together because, I mean, it can't be in two of his stories that everyone dies. And this is modern, so they're going to end up happy. They're going to end up happy. They're going to end up, wait, they're going to end up together. Okay? Maybe not happy. But they're going to end up together. Let's go with that. I think that the sister, the guy she was interested in, that guy disappears. And maybe JGL becomes the guy that the sister ends up dating now. Ah, that seems like a nice teenager thing to happen. Like, ooh, that guy was always bad and the good guy was always right beside you. You know, very, you know, pretty in pink kind of thing. Huh, let's see what else, what else, what else. 
I feel like 1999, there was probably some questionable stuff that people kind of just laughed at, but looking back at it is questionable, like going through underwear drawers. The boys oh. don't go through her underwear drawer. Oh, okay. It's not the boys. Yeah, I I told you, I, I had I thought that I had corrected myself in that moment. No. The sister tells the boys about her underwear. Yeah, also questionable. Yes, but like, of course. You know, that's what I'm saying. I think there's going to be a lot of questionable scenes in this that you're going to be like, oh, we were cool with that back then. Hmm. 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 Our generation has grown and recognized the things we've done wrong. I'll give you that. So speaking of that, there is a level of manipulation. Of course there is. Of course, because there is the whole basis of the story. Personally, you've said that you think the manipulation and the tricking is going to come from her sister. Is it better Ooh. if it comes from her sister, or is it better if the manipulation comes from a man? Ooh, 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 ooh hitting them hard, hitting questions. Manipulation is bad. Period. Ellipses. Semicolon. However, I hate to follow it up, but no, manipulation is bad. However, I think. The severity of the manipulation in my personal line depends on what the end goal is. Alright? Hypothetically, completely making this up. If the sister goes to Heath Ledger and says, I will give you $100 if you date my sister. And he says, I will date your sister for $100. And he manipulates her into going out with him? Horrible. And I do not like this character. Right? If the sister says... I want to date JGL, but only if you date my sister and she manipulates him into asking her out because she believes that he is a good match for her. I'm okay with that. But I guess my biggest line that can't be crossed is the ends, right? If you're gaining something from the situation amorally, it depends on what you're gaining. That is my line. It's ambiguous. Because I don't like to set it in stone. I like to draw it in the sand. And if it doesn't work out, I just wipe it away and move it down. Alright. Fair. So let's then pose it like this. Is there a sliding scale to manipulation that makes it okay? What if the manipulation is done in a subtle way and can almost be passed off as non-manipulation. I'll give you an example. So in the Shakespeare play, Petru very quickly within it, Petruchio and Bianca marry. Because there it's not dating, it's you can't get married until your sister gets married. And Petruchio tells everybody, this is how you tame a shrew. You kill them with kindness. And then he just agrees with everything she says, gives her everything that she wants, makes her, and then subtly builds those feelings. It's definitely a form of manipulation. But are they, is, is this person actually being negative by being overly acquiescent to their partner? Is it disingenuous, therefore it's manipulative? Or is it not manipulative because it's not disingenuous and it is for a decent goal at the end? 
See, that's where my sliding scale comes into effect. If the goal is righteous, I can be more lenient on the quote-unquote manipulation. Because if you are wooing someone, obviously you're going to put your best foot forward. You're going to offer up back massages and, you know, make the time, so to speak. However, so, so you're going to make the time, okay? So sliding scale, yeah, you're being a little manipulative. But if your end goal is to be happy, that's okay. I can still write that off as not manipulative. But if your end goal is, let me add this girl to the notch, or, you know, something along those lines, very disingenuous, yeah, that scale flips the other way, and you are a horrible person. But to caveat that, if you pursue, show interest, lavish gifts, kill them with kindness, and the second you have them, you flip mega points in the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it all depends on the ends. That is my sliding scale. It depends on the ends. The ends do justify the means. I live by that. But also the intention inform whether or not those ends should justify those means. Yeah, no, 100%. Like like I said, if, you're, if your goal is just to gain a checkbox, add a notch on the belt, get a pet, all horrible. I mean, if you're going to go through that much work just to get another notch on your bedpost, you have the need to seek guidance from somebody. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's why the ends of adding a notch do not justify the means. All right, final question before we pull you out of the hot seat. You know it. Is it going to pass? No. I don't. I, personally, I just don't think it will. Given the synopsis that you have given me, I think the really the only interactions the two sisters will have is going to be about a man, either with a name or not. Like I think they will just talk about, oh, you should really date some guy, uh-huh. which would classify as a failure. I'm not a hundred percent sure how you know Gabrielle Union comes into this. Like maybe a friend. We didn't give them. Yes, titles, yes. So. Gabrielle Union is. A good friend of Bianca. Again, we didn't give them names, so I have no idea. Larissa Olenek. Okay, alright. So one of the sisters got it. Julia Stiles is the shrew. I could guess. Which can I just say is a word I don't like? Yet you've used it more than I have. Because it's the name of the movie. Okay. But I'm allowed Um, to not like the word. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there's a word for men that you don't generally love a derogatory word for men i don't love sure that's fair that's fair you're entitled to you your opinion your there we go yeah <laughs> yeah thank I, w- you. I wasn't sure if that was an opinion or a uh no it's most like, definitely opinion is it yeah, yeah okay. for sure all, right. all yeah. right no that's fine you're entitled to your opinion and i fully support it so you do you i will and with that we are gonna go watch a movie we're back yeah we are and proving that it's winter in the one and a half hours that we were watching that movie. Our weather went from a very small dusting of snow to a blizzard that I'm going to drive in after this. I love driving, though. I'm seriously looking forward to it. That was not as sarcastic that I'm going to drive in. Okay. Right. Cool, 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 cool. That movie was really short. But again, I feel it like wasn't. It's that inflation. movie. That movie was an hour and a half long. That's normal. 
Yes, it was it's, not it's the short. The of it all now. Yeah. It also went very fast. The plot moved quickly. It was enjoyable, so it flowed. That's pretty true. That's pretty true. So, straight into the hot seat. Number one question. First thoughts coming out of the movie. Like, I hate to say it, but it, it's very much a product of the times. Like, there was a lot of icky in it that I know I grew up in, but it's still to look back on is very icky. There were. It, it was none of, really none of the main plot, except for the subplot of the the um, Joey character's ickiness. But that was specifically meant to be icky. Yeah, but like at the same Whereas time, other things that were slipped in that were icky were just icky, icky. Like even I said ew yeah, okay, quite okay, a few yeah. times. Alright, I'm just making sure that we're we're talking about the same icky thing. Yeah, so like when they're throwing out the R word. Just yes. like it's absolutely nothing. When she flashes a teacher, I was really, really glad that they showed no physical reaction on the teacher. Like they kept that really Yeah, he, I don't even think he looked down. No. It was just like, this is happening, this is inappropriate, he was in very flush pants, and I think they did that purposely, so as she was walking away, you could see that there was literally no southern action happening. Yeah. But still, icky. It was icky for, yes, that was icky. There was the comment about the 15-year-old. I delivered 15-year-old twins, or I delivered twins from a 15-year-old today, and do you know what she said to me? I'm a crack whore whose daddy doesn't love her or something like that. That made me very, like, that was my very first very audible, like, ew! Yeah, yeah, like, even the whole, you know, I need to know more about your sister, like, that whole thing, and then she's like, no, she's not a Katie Lang fan? Yeah. 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 And then and then the whole going through the the room and everything. Just like spoiler icky. then. Big spoiler. You're gonna really dislike one part of Clueless, which is our next movie. Because at one point a character refers to a homosexual character as a friend of Dorothy. Really? I love that you don't know that. That warms my heart so much that you don't know that insult that it's like Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz Judy Garland yeah uh, yeah is Julie Garland gay? no but she's an icon within the community oh and her daughter is Liza Minnelli which makes her that much more of an icon within the community I know the phrase from pop culture I've clearly never used it in my regular life and I am so very happy that you didn't even know that. That warms my heart so much that you don't even know an offensive stereotype. It's awesome. Wicked. You rock. Moving on. Thank you. (laughs) Huh. Interesting. You learn something new every day, I guess. Apparently I have a pretty low bar, too. So far, all we've talked about is how low your bar is. So... It did have some stuff that was a product of its times, but did you like it? Okay, so here's the thing. No, I didn't like it. But that is through the eyes of an adult. Okay? Like, some of my favorite scenes, and I'm sorry if this is a question that's going to come up, but there were three amazing scenes in this movie. Mm -hmm. All three had the black teacher in it. 
<laughs> all of them. All of them had me laughing. Like, yeah, man, you know what's up. Like, the first scene he's introduced is in, he's, like, talking to the main character, Julia Stiles, and he's like, what is your suburban Midwestern white girl, you know, what is your crusade now? Like, next yeah. time you do something... Tell me about your oppression. Right? Like, like as an adult, those scenes really made me chuckle, made me laugh, like, brought a smile to my face. So... Like, those were my favorite scenes, but most most of the movie, I was groaning. Like, come on. Like, really? This icky, you know? So... But there was other things you very much applauded. So, like, that was really icky. So, I'm gonna be honest. Like, watching it right now, as me, no. I did not like the movie. However... If I would have seen it 10, 15, 20 years ago, yeah, this movie was pretty cool. Like, even the romance aspect of it, which didn't seem, it was kind of icky, but morally gray, I could get behind it in my younger days. But right now, no, I didn't really, I really like it, but... I think you asked this question pre-movie. Put yourself in the mindset of a teenager or a younger person. Yeah, I could, I could totally see this movie being why it is such a cult classic. Because even in our times right now, in the mind of a young person, I think this is still a pretty great oh, film. Oh, yeah. Like, you have a, a quote-unquote oppressive father, a bad boy... A model. Like, I mean, you, you switch a few little things. A bad boy who's a good boy and a good boy who's a bad boy. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's all the teenage tropes, which is me as an adult, I just roll my eyes at now. But subtract a couple years, yeah, this could be a movie I see a few times. But now I, I need you to keep in mind, like, this isn't a product of the 90s. Yes, some of the... Things that icked us out were very much a product of the 90s. And most of that was just dialogue. Yes, but the overall reaching plot of it all is the product of the 1500s. Yeah. And that now, 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 with the plot and how feministic it is and everything, throw that again, throw that again into the 1500s. That's radical. It is. It's very progressive for a woman to... Well, a shrew, so to speak, to be a shrew for the reasons that she would be, right? Not wanting to get married at the age of ten. You know, the usual the taming, Disney tropes. The taming of her being pretending that you like all her interests and then realizing you do. that you do and you like her the more for it. It it very radical for its times. But I can see where as an adult you're having issues. Apprehension. Yes, because as soon as I started watching, I was immediately back into the person I was when I watched this all those times. See, that's that's the other thing. There were a few characters that were in the prime of their awkward youth, and I looked at those characters and I was like, I think I have said that line before in my youth, which I did not like. 
I'd not like that, to be thrown back there. I mean, I guess that just speaks to how good of a movie it is to, like, take you with, like, two or three lines and throw you right back into your childhood. Yeah, I mean, I'm divided. As I am right now, sitting in this chair, the movie was okay. I'm not a fan. I'm never going to watch this movie again. <laughs> I, I didn't particularly, like, love it. There were a few standout scenes, mm -hmm. but... Overall, this is not a, uh, I would not say that me, right now, liked it. Enjoyed it, but didn't like it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. But subtract a few years, probably a pretty good contender for top ten. Yeah, I mean, it is. I can, I can, I can get it. I can understand it. So this movie, the screenplay, was written by two women. And... As I was going through this watching of it with the mind that I'm in now, I could really see the female influence in the writing. Could you, like, were you able to see that influence showing? I can't really answer that question. Because I am a guy, everything I see is from a male's viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So something like when the sisters are arguing over the mother's necklace. I know women argue over necklaces, but because, but is that because that's true and that happens? Or is it because I'm a dude and that's what media tells me happens to women? They will fight over jewelry, right? Or at the beginning of the movie when the two girls are talking Shakespearean? Like that... That stuff, you know? Like, it's 100% revolving around designer bags and such. I know that happens, but does it happen happen? Or is that because media has told me, as a dude, that that is all women talk about? We're remembering the story about the coach bag, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. So, some of the subtle influences of, like, the female writers that I could see was just the less stereotypical gentling of the women. So, you know, a cat is very brash, right? She's described as a shrew. But within these writers, you see, not a shrew, you just see... A feminist. Yes. Yes. And there's literally nothing wrong with this character. She's scary to some, I suppose, because she's got an attitude and they just don't know her. But I thought they wrote a really rounded character within her as much as they could within that hour and a half of film. And then that cattiness, they captured really well between Bianca and her friend, Gabrielle Union. That was captured so perfectly. Like, that was the epitome of frenemy. And so many flashbacks. That was... Just the general generalities of high school was very felt. Yeah. Alright, so... Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to agree with you. Yeah, like, some scenes did pull me back right into high school and Feeling those feels again. Mm -hmm. Next question is... 
is there anything in there that from a 2021 perspective, 2022 now perspective, the third question within the movie was there anything that you looked at with your adult living in 2022 I and thought, oh, thank God they did that right? Through the lens of 2022, through the lens of an adult, any of those teenage scenes, like the drinking, because, I mean, it was a 90s movie, so, like, underage drinking was always glorified. But at the party, she gets up on, you know, the table and she starts dirty dancing, so to speak. I mean, not really, but, you know, that could have gone really bad. And then she almost passes out. Also, also could have gone really bad. But, a girl throws herself at the guy, Heath Ledger, and uh, she's like, make out with me, take me right now. And he throws her on to another person, and they just start going at it, and there's like cuts back to them all the time of them going at it. I did say, I did even ask you in that moment, is it made better by the fact that the kid, like, the guy is super drunk, too? Yeah. Yeah. And that that was one of those icky moments where you, you had to stop and think, you know, do they actually want the tea, or is it being forced upon them at that point? You know? So... Hopefully you all got that reference. Anyways. Yeah. That and how the one guy ended up dating the sister. I thought that was going in a different direction as well. When you find out that Julia Stiles dated the guy that the that her sister was kind of into. And then she's like, and then... It. The way they they played off that scene, it was like a 15-minute dialogue between the two sisters. She's talking, and then she slows down. And it's a good 30-second break. And then it. What do you think is supposed to... Like, she... Then she stands up, she moves from the window still to the bed, and says, well, everyone was doing it, and that's when I... Like, I thought... That, that, that was it. You know, unconsensual. Which is kind of messed up, because the entire movie, they're kind of showing you that everyone has respect. Yeah, I thought it was going to lead into a, lead into a yeah. non-consensual route. I actually remembered it being a non-consensual thing. Yeah. And then I saw it now, and I was like, well, that's just... That was consent one time, and, and then she stopped, and that was okay. And then he didn't even pressure her. He just douchebag broke up with her. Yeah, and that's that's completely cool. I mean, not completely cool. Yeah, but, but it's, it's not pressure, it's right? It's not pressure. It was consensual. It, w- it was good. Like, when I heard that one line, I was like, how am I going to talk about this movie after that line? Because there was, there was, like, it was a good 15-minute chunk Especially of dialogue. Us, but... And how are they going to lead you down the road of that when they had subverted that so radically, especially for that time? Like, we're, this is 1999. 
alcohol and consent aren't really taken into consideration a lot within those times. Yet she attempts to kiss him in the car and he says no. And then later when he is questioned negatively about it by JGL's character, he's like, I didn't do anything because she wouldn't have remembered it. Yeah. I appreciated that so much in 2022 and I don't think I even recognized its importance when I saw it in 1999. I agree 100%. Yeah, through the lens of 2022 and the eyes of an adult, that could have gone south really quick. But it was handled pretty good. And like you said, as a child, or a teenager, 13-year-old or whatever, like you didn't, you didn't recognize that. What you recognize subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really did appreciate. Yeah. I really did appreciate seeing that in a 23 year old movie. Yeah. I mean, Gosh. flip side to that is when she's arguing with him and he just wants to shut her up. He just kisses her. It's like a tried and true method for all those. Are you talking romances. about like when she's running away? Yeah. Yeah. And then when she's arguing with him at the end, he tries to kiss oh, her again. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, that's very tropic for exactly. men. Yes, but the way she like pushed him away and gave him that look, like, what are you? All right, the guidance counselor. Completely inappropriate. I did not remember how inappropriate she was. Yeah, and that was like the first thirty seconds of the show. Do you think that she was placed in there for nothing more than the gratuitous crude humor? I really have no idea what the role of her character was. Like, she appeared in the first half. It almost seems like she got cut halfway through when they realized how icky that character kind of is. Like, I mean, even when he comes in and is like, yeah, I got detention because... I flashed something, and then she's like, what'd you flash? And he's like, no, relax. It was just a bratwurst. And she looks down and slowly looks back up and says, don't flatter yourself. No, that's a bit optimistic. Nah, something. Yeah. It's along the same tone. But Regardless. It was, mm-hmm. Icky. Icky. She, because I didn't understand... I can't age myself too much, but I was innocent when I saw this. Very much a pre-early teenager. And I didn't understand that stuff. And as I got older, I understood it, but there was a little bit of nostalgia to it. And I still had the brain of a child. It wasn't fully developed. My adult, fully developed brain is like, ick. Mm-hmm. Ick. And also, write your erotic novel at home. Yeah, everyone needs a hobby, but there's lines that can't be crossed. Yeah. Yeah, which is really messed up because then the other teacher, like we said earlier, didn't even flinch when actual inappropriate stuff happened to him. Gross through the eyes of a woman maybe especially like the women writing then 
the guy can't flinch, that's inappropriate. But a woman could always objectify a man. You said it, not me, but I will agree with you. Yeah, that in itself is a trope that I don't like. Yep. I have, I have proven on here that I'm a feminist, but I don't hate men. I am a personist. I think everybody deserves the same respect and equality. Is a personist a thing? I don't think it is. Humanist. I'm a freaking humanist. Well, enlighten me then. What is a humanist? I don't know. I don't even know if humanist is even a word. Or if it is, if it's the thing that I think it is. So we're going to take a quick Google break. Okay. You guys, this is a monumental moment, and not because I'm right, but because I think I heard something in the past and I absorbed it like I do my pop culture knowledge, and I had something right. I'm a humanist. I believe in equality for everybody, and not just because God says everybody should be loved, but because our skin is freaking decoration and it has no bearing over who we are as people. Is that the definition of humanist, then? Just the definition of humanist in general is just that you believe in equality and ethical decision-making for everybody. I added that skin is decoration and people are equal, because that is how I feel. Alright, okay, well. Learn two things new every day. Humanist is an actual ideology. And... I forgot the other thing. So we'll drop it back down to learn one thing new every day. Alright, sounds good. Final question. Did it pass? Yeah. Yeah. Multiple times. I don't know why you're going hesitantly on here. This movie passed like no, no, four no, or five did. different times. It said, yeah. I can only think of two times. The talk about the Prada bag at the beginning and the pearl necklace conversation. There was other, like, little smaller things, like, little things, um, the conversation with her and, uh, Mandela about not going to prom. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no, it did pass quite a few times, mm-hmm. but I guess I only picked up on the first two, and then I zoned it out after that and tried to enjoy the movie. And I don't know if it was intentional because it was 1999, right? Nobody's really thinking, hey, let's pass this thing called the Bechdel test. But I think that in and of itself is just a product of the fact that it was written by two women. So they would consciously write in those normal conversations, those everyday conversations that we do have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Not for the sake of a imaginary checkbox, but for the sake of good movie writing. Because not everything requires a man to be moved forward to provide purpose and such. And to be fair as well, it was very equal in its representation that... Most of the men's conversations were about women. Pretty sure I am pretty sure every single one of the men's conversations somehow involved a woman. Yes. Yeah. Teenage boys. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying, yeah, I was one at one point. I get it. Either way, it's fair. 
So that's it for questions then? That is. Okay, alright, cool, cool, cool. What do we got now? We got stuff you already know. You know, as I prepped myself to read my trivia points, I realized there's a lot of cyclical callback, 12 degrees of separation kind of thing going on with this movie. Like, a lot. Uh-huh. So, the marching band in the sequence when he sings to Julia Stiles is actually a real marching band from Lincoln High School. How cute. Yeah. Now, here's the cyclical part. JGL went on to star in a movie called Lincoln as Abraham Lincoln's son. So, cyclical. It's all connected. And we know who loves when that happens. Mm-hmm. When Bianca asks her dad to go to the prom, her dad mentions those Dawson's River kids. Jumping in and out of each other's beds. In real life, Heath Ledger would later be in a relationship with and have a child with Dawson's Dawson's Creek star Michelle Williams, which has been included in previous trivia, which is another circle in and of the circle. Mm-hmm. Lots of circles. <laughs> Another one is that in the scene where Cameron's asking Bianca the things the cat's into, Bianca mentions the cat had a picture of Jared Leto in one of her drawers. Heath Ledger, who plays her love interest Patrick, played the Joker. Jared Leto would also later play the Joker. Okay, this next piece of trivia makes me laugh. It, it it just, it makes me laugh. So, the director of this movie. Who I'm now thinking is Gil and not Jill, like we said above. Gil Junger has an uncredited role as a teacher in this movie. Did you know that? I didn't. No, okay, did you spot him? No. No, you wonder why? Why? Because all the scenes that he put himself in got cut. Oh, I was wondering if he was like that really sarcastic, sassy teacher. Okay. Yeah, no. No. Okay. All of his scenes that he put himself. Which is kind of weird, because, you know, you think you're the director, you can choose to keep one of your scenes in? Maybe, you know, we are our own worst critics. Maybe he just decided that his work wasn't up to snuff. Yeah. Maybe. So, Gabriel Union. Gabrielle Union. I don't know why I said Gabriel. I think I said Gabriel once. Gabrielle Union would later go on to play a cat-like character in Deliver Us from Eva, just four years later. It is another modernization of The Taming of the Shrew. My guess would be a person of color adaptation, because they really did separate out those genres so much back then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it still happens right now. A little bit too much, yeah. Let's see, what else do we got? Oh, there are 15 frames. About 0.5 seconds. Okay. 5 milliseconds. Do you know how quick that is? That is really quick. Yeah, that's super fast. Yeah, less than a second. Mm -hmm. There's a less than a second of movie cut from this movie for the UK release. Oh, dude, if we have listeners from the UK, they'll have no idea what we're talking about. We do have listeners from the UK. Yeah. Okay. Okay, you guys, there's a, there's <laughs> six seconds missing that you never saw. 
And it's six seconds in which Patrick opens a butterfly knife. Yeah. Which was removed from the UK release because of the rating. If they showed a butterfly knife, the rating system in the UK would go higher and no longer become a teen movie. So I think what they didn't show, and if any of our listeners from the UK could let us know, I'm thinking what they didn't show was just the opening of the blade. I think they would have shown him still stabbing the frog. Yeah, yeah, but that knife... That knife itself is forbidden, so you can't see it opening. But you can still see it stabbing. But you can still see it stabbing, because then maybe you can't differentiate exactly what kind of knife it is. Yeah. But, there you go. A little bit of trivia that you may not have known, being across the pond. He opens a knife before he stabs the frog. And it is because of your rating system and the fact that that sounds really blamey and it's not meant to be. It's just an illegal weapon in the UK and... Yeah, it would raise the rating to a 12. Don't know what that means, but... If somebody could explain that to us, also that would be cool. So after Michael is nearly hit by Cat, he refers to her... Who's Michael? The George Clooney... Knock off. Oh, right. So, after the future NBA sidekick, who later becomes William, so he gets nearly hit by Cat. He actually refers to her as the Shrew, which is really, other than the multiple Shakespeare references and quotes throughout the movie, is really the thing that tells you this is the taming of the shrew. If the fact that it's called Ten Things I Hate About You weren't clear enough. Yeah, just because it rhymes doesn't usually make that connection to a lot of people. True. And I wonder the marketing campaign in back in the day. Was it, this movie is an adaptation, a modernization of a William Shakespeare because what was the other one? Romeo and Juliet with Leo DiCaprio, and that one was more Shakespearean than not. Yeah, they would have advertised that, because I knew going in that it was Shakespearean, Shakespearean yeah. Oh, interesting. So I do believe that that was advertised. Um, Clueless, which we will be watching next week, is also based on a classic work. And I didn't know it was based on that classic work until I watched a remake of it. And I was like, holy crap, this is Clueless. Because this sort of follows Taming of the Shrew, and I haven't gotten a lot into it because you don't know Taming of the Shrew. One One of the hugest differences in Taming of the Shrew is... They're getting married because it's the 1500s. And the father is not at all reluctant to marry them off. He's super happy. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the 1500s. Exactly. I mean, you could have a protective father in that time. You just didn't. (laughs) He was super happy to marry them off. But Clueless, shockingly, is a modern retelling of a classic. I I think there's a line in Clueless that kind of gives it away. 
But I don't remember. But I didn't know the classic. And I'm pretty sure anybody... Look, Amy Heckerling was pretty open about the fact that it was a retelling of it. So I don't know how I missed it. But I was watching that movie one day and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is Clueless, but in Victorian times! Coming back to this movie. Yeah. The taglines. We'll go back to the taglines really quick. There is one. I do believe we said it at the beginning. Yeah. How do I loathe thee? Let me count the ways. Which is an obvious play on how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Now, although this movie contains multiple Shakespeare references and tenny of the shrew lines, how do I love thee? And let me count the ways was not written by Shakespeare at all. It was actually written by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Really? Yeah. And it was the first line of Sonnet 43 from Sonnets from the Portuguese. I don't know who she is. I don't know what that is. But yay for more female representation. Or kind of sad that that gets thrown in as a Shakespeare line. Yeah. And then everybody would think of it as a Shakespeare line. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. A little I bit of both. Column A, column B. We are coming up to the very final note, and I rather enjoy it. One of the books clearly seen in the bookstore scene with Cat and Patrick is entitled 10 Stupid Things Men Do to Mess Up Their Lives. It is very much a real book written by Dr. Laura Schlesinger. And if you want it, you can get it on Amazon and Goodreads. All right. So I don't think we really need to spend too much time setting up what we're going to watch next week, y'all, because I think I set it up a billion times. That would be Clueless from the 90s as well. Uh, Yeah, definitely from the 90s. Probably like 95 would be my guess. You know what's left. Yeah, I do. You're joke. So go ahead, hit me with it. The daddiest of dad jokes ever. When Shakespeare got his pencils mixed up, he couldn't remember if it was to be or not to be. Well, that just threw me back into high school. That is lame. (laughs) And I hate those pencils. (laughs) They remind me of Scantron sheets. Alright. For now, we out. Bye!